Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Consuming podcasts at a fast rate, I can help you with that. Consuming coke or detergent at a fast rate, Daniel Rausch, head of Dash Replenishment Service at Amazon, is your man. He's our guest on today's Smart Home Show. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, this is Mike Wolf. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. Today's guest is Daniel Rausch, who heads up the Amazon Dash Replenishment Service Program. He's actually part of uh, the Amazon Devices Program. And I met Daniel at the Smart Kitchen Summit last November. He was on a panel, kind enough to come and talk. And, and he's also uh, kind enough to come onto the show and talk a little bit about what is going on with the Dash Replenishment Service. As you guys know, if you listen to the podcast or read my writing, Amazon's Dash efforts have been uh, something of a fixation for me because I think it is a, a business model innovation story in many ways. When you look at the connected device ecosystem, one of the missing links for a lot of companies is what you do after you put Wi-Fi or Bluetooth in a device. What is the next story? How do you create a new business model? And Amazon is trying to do some innovation there where they're basically creating a commerce layer to allow companies to essentially monetize if you're a hardware company, you can select the CPG brands or the products you want to sell through. If you're a, a CPG brand, a consumer packaged good company, like Procter & Gamble, you sell something like Tide or you sell Coca-Cola, you can then start to have an Internet of Things story. Because that's one of the hard things for these companies. If they sell consumables, you know how do they get into the Internet of Things? They know it's going to be a big deal. And so Amazon is trying to flesh out that layer and that business model. And so uh, I've talked a lot about these guys uh, and just generally Amazon and what they're doing here, but I have yet to have them on the show. So I'm really glad Daniel came on. I got back from Mexico uh, on last late last Friday, and I spent most of the week catching up, but I've managed to record a few other podcasts as well. We'll have another podcast published tomorrow. I talked to the head of the Bluetooth SIG, and we'll hear what's going on with Bluetooth because they've had some interesting news very recently. And we have a, a really interesting conversation coming up next week with one of the largest companies in home security. So keep an eye out for that as well. So if you listen to the show and want to catch up on some of my writing, I write about a lot of the same topics. Just go to smarthomeweekly.net. Uh, you can see the writing there. Also subscribe to the newsletter. If you're going to South by Southwest and you want to go to a really great smart home and smart kitchen mixer on the rooftop of a, a really cool restaurant on the last day of interactive, give us an email, give us a shout out, or just go to Michael Wolf on Twitter and direct message me. Uh, I'm allowing all direct messages. That's a great way to actually communicate with me. If you want to communicate with me, just go to Twitter, follow me on Michael Wolf, and just uh, send me a message there. and We can get you an invite. If you are in the Smarter Ministry, there are a lot of people who go to South by Southwest who are just party hopping. And I've been trying to fend off all those party hoppers. And you know a little trick I've learned. If people email you and their email address has SXSW, South by Southwest, as part of their email address, like like Mike, South by Southwest at gmail.com, these people are just trying to get into parties, and it's a disposable email. And those aren't the people I want at my mixer. I want people in the smart home industry, in the smart kitchen industry to come because uh, those are the conversations we want to have. And I think those are the conversations you want to have as well. And maybe get a good beer or a cocktail as well. Give me a ping. Uh, let me know if you want to come. It's on March 15th in Austin, South by Southwest, and it's going to be a great 
great evening. If you want to listen to the Smart Home Show and you haven't subscribed, please do so. Just go to iTunes, do it on, in your favorite podcast app, or just go to technology.fm, our podcast network, and you can find us there as well. All right, folks, that's it for now. Here's my conversation with Daniel Rausch of Amazon. Daniel, we met last November at the Smart Kitchen Summit, and uh, I'm excited to have you on the show today to talk about all things Amazon Dash and Dash Replenishment. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. I'm excited to be here. And uh, yeah, that was great to connect with you on a panel at, at that show. And you are, uh, your job title, uh, or kind of roughly, I think, is Director of Amazon Devices. You're very focused on the Dash program and particularly Dash Replenishment. Tell us what you do and what you focus on daily for Amazon. I do a couple different things within the device business, which is where we bring together the three different aspects of the Dash program. Um, you know, we obviously have a, a large and growing cloud business, um, which helps drive something like Dash Replenishment as a service when we externalize that for third parties. Um, we have a big retail business, uh, which we bring together in the Dash program, obviously, because we're replenishing consumables, uh, consumable products. And then a device business, um, you know, we build these uh, dash buttons uh, that connect to those same set of services for customers. So uh, the Dash program is one of those programs uh, at Amazon where we really bring together just about everything we do for customers. You know, I've been watching it from the beginning, and it's been an interesting evolution. I mean, Dash initially was very closely tied to Amazon Fresh um, and still is with the, the wand. Uh, then you guys had the Dash button announced last year, which a lot of people thought were interesting and surprised a lot of people because it was such a unique and interesting idea. And then I think you've taken a, a more of a platform approach. I kind of almost see Amazon Dash Replenishment Service as like an, trying to be like an Intel inside brand and platform for basically consumables. How would you characterize Dash DRS? Yeah, I guess the way to think about DRS um, is exactly in that platform approach. So our goal um with that is to just make customers' lives uh, easier by taking a relatively complicated problem uh, and making it go away. Customers sort of can vacillate between having far too much of the type of uh, products that we're replenishing, uh, to, you know, vacillate between too many and running out. So before I had a dash button for paper towels, my basement was either mostly full of paper towels, it seemed, or empty of them. Um, now that we have a a button there, I just press it and we have uh, just as many as we need and not too many and not too few. Um, the vision with Dash Replenishment as a service is to extend that capability right into customers' homes so that they don't even have to give that thought of I'm about to run out and push a button. So DRS is the way we're instantiating sort of the end state vision of taking those problems uh, out of customers' lives entirely. And we think about the relationships, you know, I feel like the dash button is, you know, very centered around CPG relationships around package brands. Um, and I, and with DRS, you are, uh, and coming at it from a hardware perspective, you're probably doing a lot more conversations with hardware manufacturers, whether it's a coffee maker or a printer, like brother, uh, GE, for example, um, with, with those two different profiles, are you, are you facing more towards CPG brands with the dash side and then maybe more towards hard man, hardware manufacturers with DRS? Yeah, I think the way, you know, the way we think about it internally, uh, and this goes for any innovation that we, that we work on for customers is just working backwards from the customer. So, you know, when we started the Dash program, the question was really, um, you know, how can we make, how can we make this kind of shopping even easier for customers? It's not shopping that customers 
love <laughs> it's shopping that's hard yeah uh these the rate of use varies um and at the same time you know as you know and as you talk about all the time on your show uh customers homes are getting increasingly connected and so you know what's the intersection of this kind of shopping that we'd love to help customers make go away if they could wave a magic wand and this trend in connectivity so working backwards from customers in that respect sort of led us naturally to these two different solutions and as you point out you know facing two different sets of partners on the one hand there are um devices in the home that when they're connected we can make this magical experience happen all up we can work with uh, Whirlpool to, you know, connect a washing machine so that uh, laundry detergent just shows up. Customers never know they were about to run out and they open their front door. There's a box with a smile on it and uh, away they go. It's one less concern that uh, in their lives. Uh, on the other hand, there are a lot of things in the house that uh, customers have the same problem with but that aren't associated with a device per se yet or that don't have a natural connection to something that might be connected now or in the very, very near term. And that led us naturally to, you know, the dash button, which is effectively taking the one-click button off the website, putting it right in a customer's home so that we're eliminating that journey that it takes to get to that buy button, realize I'm out of it, remember that I'm out of it, and then remember to order. Uh, let a customer place an order right when they realize they're about to run out. One question I've had about dash buttons is you guys have them affiliated with brands, and I've always wondered why there wasn't kind of the, the Swiss Army knife or the universal button. Um, I understand that you would it would be exciting for a Procter and Gamble or uh, Coca Cola to have a you know their own button for a particular product, and you could it'd be really fascinating for them to track sales through that kind of that click channel. Um, but have you guys given thought to just kind of creating the the one size fit all button? We've given some thought to it. It's another, it's another um, thing that we concluded just working backwards from customers. It turns out when you talk to customers, and I don't know how your buying habits are at your, at your home, but we certainly have these kinds of products. Um, myself and my wife, we, I don't want um, soda per se. I want, you know, there are Coke households, Pepsi households, et cetera. Or I don't want laundry detergent per se. I want my Tide. Um, and so, but if you have a product fact, you you a brand mm-hmm. you really like that you haven't done a deal with, I could then say, okay, this button is for this particular unique brand of detergent that's organic or whatever, right? That that doesn't have a dash button, right? And so our goal there is just to keep growing selection. So, you know, sticking with that experience, working backwards from customers, getting them the products they want, and. Uh, expanding selection. So stay tuned. And speaking of customers, with the news that came in January, you guys basically opened up DRS and we saw the first products. I think the Brother Printer was the first one mm-hmm. out and I think GE That's was right. after that. Uh, I think That's that right. there, there was an announcement that you guys are opening up DRS potentially to even consumers. Can you talk a little bit about that? So we've opened up um, DRS to you know anyone that wants to make an integration from hobbyists up through you know some of the names you'd see on the dash replenishment service page today that are some of the world's largest appliance manufacturers. Our goal is to see what developers come up with. We want all shapes and sizes, um, and we're just excited to see what folks come up with. So uh, what you do today if you want to sign up for dash replenishment service is you come to the website. It's a click-through agreement. You give us a few details about the device integration that you'd like to make so that we can respond with the 
APIs. Um, and it's just that easy. So there's at the summit, there's a lot of startups in connected food appliances. You know, a good example might be Tephoria that has this idea around tea and, and they're thinking a little bit around a subscription model, but could they conceivably be like the type of company you're going after where they would do an integration where then you're, they're automatically getting their tea replenished through, through your service? That's exactly right. So whether we sell the consumable today or not, options for um, device and appliance makers where Amazon does sell the consumable product today, um, it's a it's a relatively straightforward integration. We talk about it on the website in as few as ten lines of code. It can be you can integrate the replenishment APIs and make calls for um, products that we sell. If we don't already sell the items, then um, uh, maker or manufacturer can sign up for fulfillment by Amazon, list those products themselves as a seller, and then produce an integration on their device that um, orders those products. Is that going to be the channel for the, I guess, the boutique or the the more artis- artisanal type of replenishables? Because right now, when I look at your list of of suppliers, CPG brands, you know, you have the Tides of the world and the Procter and Gamble's and the Cokes. But you don't necessarily have like, um, you know, a, like a Seattle artisan coffee maker. So is that the route you think you'll, you'll see for smaller providers? It uh, could be on the on the DRS side. You know, we do make available all the full breadth of Amazon selection. So okay. we okay. have a lot of coffee, for example, that's not um, limited just to Maxwell House, which is the only coffee brand that's currently in the button program. So, um, you know. A device maker that wants to replenish coffee or tea can look across Amazon's full selection on Amazon.com um, and generate the list of products that they'd like to replenish. And so that's a great and, point. Like you have the, yeah. it's you can get really anything if you've integrated the DRS, and that's the decision made by uh, the hardware manufacturer as well as the consumer. We do that together um, with uh, device makers as a right. part of the process for integrating DRS, where um, makers list the products that they'd like to have uh, associated with their device as part of the integration. One of the things that Amazon strikes me about at Amazon is you guys do what I would call business model innovation to a certain degree around purchasing of stuff. And I think DRS is a little bit of that. I also felt like your subscriptions were, were the fact that I could subscribe to protein bars um, mm-hmm. was uh, really interesting to me and it's kind of a godsend because, like, I got tired of just ordering them and going to the store for the, them, right? So, do you? But I don't necessarily see uh, DRS as like a subscription model today. Will you eventually have the ability to just subscribe to products through through the the Dash program? What? Tell me a little bit more more about what you have in mind there, Michael. So the 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 scenario that we have in mind is um, you buy a new washing machine, you set it up once. Uh, you get it on your Wi-Fi network per, you know, let's right. the Whirlpool. Or I guess what I was thinking is, here. like, with Dash, you have to hit a a button or kind of there's a conscious yes at some point to mm-hmm. get it. But if there's something that I know I'm always going to want on a recurring basis, like pop or, or energy drink, yeah. um, could I set that up and, and have that initiated through Dash and just have a subscription from then on out? So we do have a bunch of different options here at the company. So the way DRS works is it's it's really driving a usage-based model. Right. So when you set up that washing machine, you would pick your detergent as part of setup and set it and forget it, and you'd never shop for detergent again as long as that washing machine is uh, in your washroom and ordering detergent for you successfully when you need it to. Um, you wouldn't think about it for the you know the life cycle of that appliance. Um, we have 
other options for purchasing at Amazon too, like subscribe and save, where right, you know right. customers have a predictable usage pattern that they can um, put basically calendar orders, uh, and lots of customers use subscribe and save and love that as well. Those are really sort of two discrete options here at the company, though. And I understand how DRS basically is monitoring usage, and then there's an auto, there's a reorder at some point based on you know how much it's used. Is that based on algorithms? Is it tracking actual the number of units, like for example, detergent packs in a box you've ordered? It knows that it's intelligent enough to know that, and then based on the amount of washing cycles it's done. I mean, are there algorithms here that it's kind of tracking that you guys have intelligent built in around the specific products? Uh, so a lot of that is supplied by the manufacturer, but we certainly work closely with them to make sure that's a great customer experience end-to-end. So there are um, devices that already monitor levels, right? So our first right. partner to ship devices, including DRS, was Brother Printers, right? And so yeah, for yeah. years, we've all looked at printer toner and ink levels, right? Uh, it turns out that we had to go through a very arduous process of finding the right toner or ink number and then look, you know, scanning across um, tens of thousands, it felt like uh, different toner and ink possibilities to find the right one, right? And with DRS, you just open your front door and you're done. And the um, device knows the ink level because it's connected exactly. to it. Right. But with- exactly. And in other cases, it's new, right? right. So, um, you know, some, um, for example, Brita is a, is a partnership that we announced uh, right away and they've been a great visionary partner thinking about how they can change their product for customers, you know, driven largely by the creation of DRS. Um, you know, uh, lots of companies have been thinking about connectivity and what can I do with a connected product. DRS, in a lot of ways, gives a great new reason um, for makers to reconsider connectivity overall because they can build a use case that really solves an acute customer problem. So. There, you know, they've come up with smart ways to know how much water has flowed through their filter. Um, and that's not something that uh, that was measured in that way previously. Uh, and there's others like ink where it was already measured that way, right, or counting cycle counts on washing machines or what have you. So there are a lot of different um, approaches by different manufacturers, uh, and we're, you know, consulting with them. We have a support architect team that tries to, um, bring best practices to the conversation so that uh, we can make that customer experience really seamless. You kind of touched on this idea of how you've worked uh, hand-in-hand with manufacturers. And so I'd be kind of interested in how, like, so you engage or they engage with you if it's like a large appliance manufacturer. Walk me through kind of an engagement where you want, they want to integrate DRS or you want them to integrate DRS. Is there then a conversation with the CPG company Um are you guys consulting along the way? You're just kind of handing them a software development kit and pointing them to the API. Talk, walk me through a little bit of an engagement there. Well, we've really tried to make it um, turnkey, which is sort of the latter approach that you were talking about, so that um, you can pull down the documentation right on our website today. That has, you know, uh, if you think about, say, a small anything from a small startup company or a hobbyist working in their garage. Um, there's the technical documentation required. There's notes about how to build a great customer experience around replenishment um, and, you know, the business agreement, all of that can just be downloaded and clicked through. Um, and then the integration itself is very straightforward on uh, the application side. There's, you know, there's always a companion application, whether it's on the web or a mobile application that goes with these connected devices. Um, it's as simple as opening uh, an HTML container that Amazon um, 
provides the back-end services to, to help a customer set up replenishment. Uh, and then there are simple API calls for the status of orders and when replenishables are on the way. So we've tried to make it really as turnkey as possible. We do have a support team as well for um, for makers and manufacturers that want a little more help or have questions. So we have a email alias that's you know continuously monitored and a team of folks that are there to help developers and manufacturers every step of the way. You know, when I look at Amazon collectively and kind of holistically. In 2015, I think you guys were one of the the more interesting stories from a smart home perspective. You have, you know, I kind of go down the list of all the the news that came out was, you know, Alexa, Echo, um, Dash. You guys, you had your Amazon Home Services. Do you work uh, across uh, divisional lines where you guys coordinate? I mean, are you, are you guys in sync with the Alexa team? Or when, I know you're part of devices, but do you guys see like the connected home as a large scale opportunity where you have some sort of vir- virtual teams? I think, you know, we really take the same approach just working backwards from customers. We do end up working very closely together to make sure that customers understand how to interact with Amazon in those different contexts. So, you know, I talk a lot with the voice shopping team, for example, on Alexa um, to make sure that those experiences line up for customers and there's uh, there are no gotchas, so to speak. But, but really what we're working on is just um, working backwards from customers Making sure those are independently great experiences, but that they also work together. You guys had uh, a lot of safeguards, I think, built in for so consumers don't necessarily accidentally order things through Dash. Um, you you basically meet, need consumers to, I guess, confirm that they want to order something. So, did you guys give a lot of thought to the process to make sure that this was, you know, and across a different variety of products that consumers really had a good experience? I mean, I, obviously that that kind of goes without saying, but what were some of the things you guys do to ensure that happens? Well, we knew um, right away. It turns out as soon as we held the button uh, on the dash button side, we knew that it was going to be more fun to push it than we expected. Um, <laughs> yeah. And one of the, one of the use cases uh, that came up early was, you know, something we called the kid press, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It was one of the first questions that we'd get from anyone we'd show to internally or talk to a customer about it was, well, great that we have a mac and cheese button in my pantry, but, you know, my kid loves mac and cheese. You don't understand how much my kid loves mac and cheese. Um, and so there's no doubt that Timmy or Samantha is going to just be mashing this button. So we built, uh, you know, that's an example of a safeguard to your point. We built uh, a safeguard in so that the button by default doesn't place another order until that first order is on your doorstep. Um, you can turn that off, by the way, if you do want Timmy or Samantha to uh, fill that pantry with mac and cheese, uh, or if you have a party coming and you need yeah. to order Izzy soda or Gatorade for it. Um, but we we do spend uh, a lot of time, I think, trying to think through not just safeguards and fallbacks, but you know how to refine the experience. It takes a lot of planning uh, and a lot of technology, actually, to make something that simple for customers. Really, the biggest enemy of, of today's modern world for parents is just kids because <laughs> they're, they want to press buttons. <laughs> Do you have any sort of numbers of the total integration partners you have from the hardware side at this point? And then, um, any kind of other numbers you might have that kind of give us an idea where you guys are from, uh, uh, you know, how many products p- people are ordering, for example? Any, any numbers you could share? I will tell you that we have 15 partners that okay. are up on the website. Um, that's what you'd find if you go to the Dash Replenishment Service page. 
Uh, other numbers in terms of sales or um, how many products ordering, you know, we by, by policy we just don't share. Um, they're not the numbers that I'm most focused on, to be honest with you. Anyway, what I focus on is um, whether customers love it or not. And so there we've got good data. Um, customers, you know, on the button side are pushing uh, some of these buttons as often as weekly, um, depending on uh, depending on the product. Uh, we we get very good um, uh, information back from customers about the experience, uh, feedback about the experience from customers. On the DRS side, you know, our first order uh, was actually placed the day that we uh, the day that we opened up the services because Brother already had some printers in market when the services came on. We had our first magenta toner order uh, <laughs> within hours of opening up the service. Some customer had connected. Um, to DRS, and their printer was already out of toner, and an order went through. So from the very beginning, when we opened up these services, we've seen uh, activity and um, been fulfilling orders for customers. So we know they're happy. Do you have like That's a spent? You have a spent ink cartridge framed on your wall somewhere? To... <laughs> we should we should strongly consider that. I should find out if I can reach out to that customer <laughs> and ask. <laughs> Talk a little bit about the the direction going forward. Is it just you said kind of reaching out to more brands and getting more integrations? Uh, I would imagine since you guys have tried to automate this as much as possible, you know, a few lines of code um, that you guys want to just kind of reach go as as far and as wide as possible across devices. Yeah, once once we know something works, we just try to make it more available. Um, and you know, I think you you saw uh that we launched in 2015 in an invitation only program to start uh on the dash button side and um in a beta program for developers on DRS and then you know by the end of the year we had opened up dash buttons to more vendors but also more partners uh but also um opened up DRS portals so that anyone could come and sign up so i think what i'm very focused on for 2016 is making sure that we reach as many customers as we can, both from a product selection standpoint, as many developers we can uh, from an integration standpoint. Do you see Dash going beyond, I guess, what I would call replenishing a lot of package goods to doing fresh? I mean, I know that you have the the scanner for fresh, but when I think of things like you know vegetables and, and those types of things, I don't really see that as an Amazon Dash type of product. Or, or am I wrong there? Well, it's a great idea. Um, you just have to stay tuned. All right. That's exciting. <laughs> hey, well, Daniel, this has been great. Thanks for spending time with me and talking a little bit about uh, Amazon Dash. Thanks a lot, Michael. I uh, look forward to connecting with you again. All right. I want to thank Daniel and thank Amazon. It's actually hard to get Amazon folks on podcasts, believe it or not. Or maybe you do believe it. They're kind of like Apple. They're one of these companies that don't talk a lot about what they're doing. So when they do, I'm always appreciative. Thank you to Daniel and to Michelle who helped arrange that from Amazon. As I said earlier, stay tuned for more podcasts coming imminently. Just go to technology.fm or just find us in your favorite podcast app. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you soon.